0: You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. And this week, speech pathologist, writer, and Harvard lecturer Rebecca Rowland is diving into the power of language. We're talking about her latest book, The Art of Talking with Children. And in this conversation and in the book, she's teaching us how to enrich our interactions with our children to help them build the skills they need to thrive. So we're talking about how to build a greater communicative bond with your children. And in the process, help them become kinder, confident, and more creative. So I love conversations like this. I'm always motivated to approach my conversations with my kids with a little more intention, a little more thought, a little less reactivity, if that's possible. And uh, I think in the end, uh, it makes all of us better parents and certainly helps us raise happier, more confident kids. So please enjoy this conversation with Rebecca Rowland. Well, hello, Rebecca. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, before we dive into your amazing book, all about the art of conversation with our children, uh, why don't we start with your origin story? What were the events that happened in your life that led you to the work that you're doing now? Sure. So actually,
1: I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, actually. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I didn't know we're actually from a very similar place. Um, So I um, grew up really interested in language and writing poetry and just really interested in the way people spoke. Um, And when I started out, um, I didn't understand much about kind of the science behind it. So I got really interested in actually understanding how people are talking to one another, kind of what is dialogue, what about discussion. Is so uh, powerful for us. Um, I went into education, and it wasn't until I became a parent that I realized we actually don't talk much about the way we talk to each other. Um, So we actually know a lot about all the important things they can do, but we don't actually think a lot about um, our intentionality on a daily basis. So we're actually often on autopilot, we're often rushing, and we don't always take the time to really think about the ways we're interacting and the ways we're having conversations with kids. Um, So for me, that was just a moment of realizing, oh, I'm a young mother and I know a lot about conversations, but I'm seeing in my own life that I was often on autopilot. So I was actually not maximizing the conversations I was having with my kids. Um, So I started to think there was just this big gap. Um, There was so much we knew, but there was just so much that wasn't coming into the literature that wasn't in the parenting books um, that even I wasn't using in my own life. And the more I talked to other parents, the more I realized they were feeling this way, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean and I think it took you having that that educational background and you know being a lecturer at Harvard and and doing all the professional things to even notice that gap within your own life. What do you think it is that holds most parents back from having these really I don't like you say rich talk conversations with our children and and how do we even start to bring that in because I feel like yeah, so many of us are just on autopilot. We're so busy. We're trying to do all the things. And then now it's like another added thing to add on to, like, how am I speaking with my child? Oh, my gosh. You know, so so let's break it all down. Like, what, are, what, what is that gap and how can we start to address that?
1: Yeah, well, first, I definitely want to suggest that I'm not emphasizing there's this other thing to think about. So I know that may <laughs> be the way it comes across, but uh, but really, I talk about it as kind of a double promise. So the fact is that in the moment, when you have these conversations... It should feel less stressful. So it actually shouldn't feel like, and yo, I have this other thing to do, but actually like, oh, I'm actually going to smooth out the interactions between myself and my children. I'm actually going to make things feel more enjoyable, more interesting, less tedious in our lives. Um, So that's the hope is that these conversations are great in the long term, but even in the short term, they should make your life easier less stressful and just more fun in the moment. So that's one big um, thing I emphasize is I don't want parents who are already totally overburdened to feel like, oh, here's this other thing that you should also think about. Um, So that's one main thing.
0: Okay. So all of that, that observation and, and seeing that mirrored in other parents, Uh, brought you to writing your incredible new book, The Art of Talking with Children. Now, why do you think this book in particular is so crucial at this time? Why does this book need to go onto the world now?
1: Yeah, so I really think we're just facing a perfect storm of factors that is making it really hard um, for parents and kids to connect and to feel like they can have these meaningful conversations. So everything from, obviously, recent terrible events, stress, um, you know, in the in the larger society, all the way down to lots of expectations for academics, lots of pressure on kids, and even things like screen time that are making kids and parents feel disconnected. So I think at this precise moment, it's just an ideal opportunity to kind of take a step back and think, okay, well, we have so much in our lives, we want the best for our kids. But actually, the best for our kids is often just sitting and really being intentional in our interactions with them. So rather than adding more activities or feeling like, oh, there has to be more that happens, we can actually say, well, let's actually do a little bit of a reset and think about kind of what are our priorities in our families and focus on those interactions.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that. And of course, you know you're an academic, so you bring in the science behind why being intentional with our conversations is so important. Can you talk a little bit about let's nerd out a little bit. Let's talk about the science behind why this is so good, not just for our kids, but for us too?
1: Yes, definitely. So really, we think about um, stress as kind of being potentially toxic. So in the sense that if you're stressed all the time, it can be really disconnecting both for you and for children and make it very hard to learn. So very hard to connect. When children are in a state of fear or of um, fright, they just often pull back. They're pulling into themselves. And if this happens over time, they start to either act out potentially or even act in in terms of being depressed, being anxious and so on. Um, But if we have this kind of back and forth conversation, so where we're really sitting with our kids, taking the time to hear what they're saying and teaching them how to hear what we're saying, that can really start to unravel these patterns. So it can really start to say, well, we're not actually having to be in this fight or flight mode all of the time. We can really hear each other. We can sit with each other and start to reconnect at a very human level um, and this can make it much more open as a relationship and also make kids feel as if they can let down their guards and they can really express what's on their mind um, and a lot of times that over time leads to a reduction of acting out or kids are you know feeling less depressed and less anxious. Um, so even though my book is not about I wouldn't say it's about fixing behaviors or so on. But that's kind of an, a result of having these kind yeah. of conversations that kids are behaving differently.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like our generation too is more open to this kind of thing, like getting sitting down and having, you know, more heart to hearts, what what would you say to the parents who you know might not feel comfortable? You know, I don't want to be a friend to my child, I want to be the parent, I don't want to have you know these open conversations necessarily about any kind of topic. Like how do you how do you address wanting to be um, a role model for your child, but also wanting to have almost that that friendship there as well?
1: Yes, yes, that's a great question. And I would say it's definitely you can make a distinction between sort of a broader parenting style. And, and our conversations. So just because we're having these open conversations doesn't mean, you know, anything goes in our parenting style or we can be totally permissive and say, oh, whatever you want, because I'm your friend. So this doesn't mean saying moving from being the parent to just being the friend. Um, but it, what it does mean is that when you're actually sitting with your child, you're engaged with their thoughts, their feelings. You can actually be a more responsive parent. That doesn't mean giving them what they want necessarily, but it does mean understanding more of what they want. And then you as the parent can make that decision and that choice of, well, what do I want to give to them in response? Uh, But having that understanding as a foundation is so key uh, because you're actually meeting your child where they are. You're not necessarily saying, oh, here, you can have everything, but you are actually able to reason with them or to work with them at their level, which is often so much more effective.
0: Yeah, I totally get that. And, you know, for the parent tuning in who wants this, who wants, you know, to have artful conversations with their children, is there a specific environment where this works particularly well, or can you do it on your way to baseball practice?
1: Yes, I would definitely say on your way to baseball practice is totally fine and actually may be preferable. Um, What I've noticed in my work and in my practice is that it really depends on every family. So every family is different. And I really ask the listeners to take a look at your family and to say, well, what is working for us? You know, there has been so much emphasis on family dinner and, oh, we should have these conversations at family dinners. And for some families, that might work great. So that is a time when they sit down and they can have these topics, um, have these discussions. But other families don't all have dinner together or dinner is a really rushed time or whatever reason, Um, but they are able to talk on long walks or at baseball practice. And so really the time and the place is not important, only that it's a time and place that works for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And how would you de- define really that back and forth? Does it have to be about, you know, deep seated issues, bullying at school or, or or like, is it just is it just anything?
1: It can be as simple as, you know, looking at some rocks on the street and talking about well, I wonder where those came from or who was digging here or even, you know, what was here before that. Um, I had a really interesting talk with a parent recently who said Um, they were just walking around, looking at the trees in their neighborhood. And um, the child asked, oh, I wonder what these trees have seen. Um, Which I thought was such a cool question, because it's, you know, the tree is very old, probably older than the people. And it got them started kind of thinking about history, thinking about, you know, all the changes that had happened in their city and so on, Um, just from a simple walk around their neighborhood where there was this question. And so that's, was really profound to me because it feels as though we often put a lot of pressure on ourselves to think of big important topics or to, you know, say, well, we're going to sit down and have these big conversations. But what I'm talking about really are these everyday moments that happen to all of us every day. um, And that we can really take advantage of in a way that makes our lives more interesting. So definitely doesn't have to be, you know, those big sort of, quote-unquote, talks, you know, with the capital T.
0: <laughs> right, which are the worst, and everyone dreads them, kids, parents included.
1: Exactly, yes. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah, sort of like sit down and I'll have a talk.
1: That's never good.
0: <laughs> it's awful. It's awful, yeah. Um, but what do you think, I mean, in, in doing your research for the book, what was the biggest inhibitor of, of parents Getting on this new footing, you know, having these great conversations with their kids—is it a mental thing? Is it an actual time thing? Because I really do want to be sensitive to that as well. Um, what do you think inhibits most parents from getting to this new level?
1: Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. One is definitely that the actual time thing. I think that all of us may feel, well, we don't have enough time, or you know, we should be there all the time. So there's that that double sense of that. Some of us don't have a lot of time, which I totally understand. And then also that sense of we feel as if we have to maximize every moment. So there's a lot of pressure that a lot of us put on ourselves as well. And I think that can actually inhibit conversations because when we are sitting with our child and we want to maximize, you know, the quality of our conversations, we can sometimes unintentionally kind of drill down or just push when our child isn't necessarily in the mood to talk. Um, and that can really, ironically, can draw us apart rather than together. I think there's a lot of value, actually. And even if you just have, say, 10 minutes um, before dinner, just sitting with your child, you know, look at a book together or look at um, what happened, you know, in their day, if they have their Friday folder or whatever, and just say, like, let's just sit and, and hang out and see kind of what comes. And that can actually be some of the most meaningful connections rather than feeling as if you know, oh, we need to set aside an hour or half an hour to do this. It can really be in really small chunks.
0: Yeah, it makes the average parent, you know, and believe that, yes, this is possible. And if I can just be a little more intentional, a little more present, and and I'm able to notice these little moments, these little pockets of time that turn into these gems and create more empathy and compassion within ourselves and our children.
1: Definitely. Yes. And that's actually what I hoped from the book. So I use myself a lot as an example, um, sometimes for good. And sometimes, you know, I use myself to kind of laugh at myself as well, because I've definitely had those parenting moments where I thought I was having a great conversation and I realized, oh, it was the opposite of what I wanted or, you know, things didn't work out. So I think to recognize that all of us are having moments that are feeling really like gems and really wonderful and all of us are having those challenging moments um, is really important as well uh, because there's always this chance to repair in the sense that oh, we can apologize or we can teach our children to apologize and that it doesn't have to be perfect all the time.
0: This episode is sponsored by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely came to life in 2015 by Deanne Akerson, a mom of two, when she couldn't find any comfortable and functional pajamas while nursing her second son. So she decided to design her own line. As moms, we have to stick together, which is where Kindred comes from. And Bravely, while we all know being a mom can be tough, it is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage and bravery to be a mom. And at Kindred Bravely, they are devoted to making life easier for pregnant and nursing moms, from breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and pajamas. And I might not be pregnant or nursing, but I can advocate completely for how comfortable their clothing is. I wear... The, uh, cardigan almost every single day, certainly around the house, and I gifted my sister some leggings. Um, she is pregnant with her third child, and she is absolutely over the moon for them. She wants me to get her some more. So you can get your own and save while you do by using my code UNSTRESS20 to save 20% off your purchase at kindredbravely.com. Oh, I love that so much. I, I remember speaking to a psychologist, I think it was last year, on the show um and he said like even if your kids are in their 20s you can still apologize for things you can still come back and heal the relationship because i think a lot of parents you know obviously the listeners of this show a lot of moms have younger kids but there's a lot of listeners too who have these older children for for those listening who have never really had you know this type of, of of repartee with their children how would you recommend bringing it in? Is it the same procedure of just finding those little pockets of time with their older children? Or did you find through your research uh, a little bit of a different way of of going about it?
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, I think overall it is much the same in the sense that you still can make those small shifts yourself. Um, But one thing that's very different is that if you are in those patterns for many years, um, especially if your children are older, it's worth taking the time I found Um, Almost just to talk with your child about your conversations beforehand, you know, to say something like, you know, I want to try something different. You know, I'd like us to um, to have a little more time together talking. And here's what, you know, I think it could be great for X and Y reason, just to really um, bring that to the surface. Because sometimes your child might be feeling that way as well. Um, They might not say it. They might not even know it. But I think if if you come from a place of, you know, I'd like to be more connected to you. I'd like for us to be able to um, enjoy our time a little bit more. I think so many kids, whatever age, respond to that. So I think that's um, really important. And I really respect parents who are doing that after years of feeling as if they're not as connected as they'd like to be.
0: Yeah. Is there any kind of internal work that we can be doing as parents to kind of set the stage for this kind of interaction? Like any groundwork that we can be doing so that when we do approach our kids, if they're older or just like sit next down, you know, sit down next to our our younger kids, that we're that much more present?
1: Yes, definitely. So I think one thing is to really um, simply be reflective about your own life and your own history in terms of your communication strengths and your challenges um, so thinking about the times when it's been very good for you. So when you feel as though, oh, I'm really connected in this way. And it might be, you know, oh, you're very, you're very strong at celebrating things with your child. You know, when something's going well, you feel like you're really connected. You can really talk through that. Um, but then there might be those sort of pain points or challenging times. And thinking about when those are and even where those have come from. So oftentimes they are from our own childhoods. Um, To say, maybe for you, it's really challenging or triggering when your child expresses disappointment, Um, you know, and you just really don't know what to do, or you shut off and say, well, too bad, or, you know, something like that that's not your usual, but that you just do kind of, you know, on autopilot. Um, Recognizing that that exists, I think, is so powerful, because that's the first step in changing that, just directing compassion towards yourself for that. But then to say, well, how might I change that as well?
0: This is just so interesting to me because I feel like on a deeper level, you're almost going back and you're healing like generational trauma when you do kind of stop the cycle of not talking about things or having like a very surface level relationship with your parent, with your child. Um, and I feel like even if you start having better conversations with your children, you can then turn it around and, and if your parents are still around, go out to your parents and kind of do the same thing. like is this is this the beginning of something bigger in our whole society in the collective?
1: That's great. I love that. Uh, I think that is so powerful and I totally agree. I think these principles are so applicable to adults as well as to children. Um, lots of people have asked me, well can I read this book and you know, use it with adults, you know, and I've said, well, yes, of course, you know, these principles are universal really throughout the ages. And I think it is so powerful to recognize that so many of us can be trapped in those cycles and to start in small ways to get out of it almost sets the foundation for doing that in larger ways. So I think our society is never going to change unless we change as individuals. And I think that that is so important. So I love
0: that. I do too. I do too. And and like you said earlier, you know, with all these scary, stressful events happening in the world, I think one of the most foundational things we can do is just talk to our kids and be present and to to discuss heavier things in real time so that it's not like we're all in our own little vacuums behind screens trying to deal with the stress. It's like we're coming together and um and working working through this together.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, that's so key, just a collective processing and collective grieving and helping kids with that process. I think it's never been a more important time, for sure.
0: I couldn't agree more. Oh my gosh, we're almost to the end. Rebecca, do you have any um, final remarks that you would like to leave with the listeners? something that you really want them to remember from this talk?
1: Yes, I would say, um, I think if you're feeling as though, oh, I don't know if I can do this, or I'm not sure I have the time. I would just say, start today, start small, start with five minutes, just say, I'm going to sit with my child for five minutes, and just listen to what's on their mind. I'm just going to try that once and see what it feels like. And I think what's so interesting and almost magical about this process is that even if you start from just a tiny seed, so many kids respond so well to that, that then they'll be asking for more. So it's almost as if you don't have to do it all. You don't have to do a sort of a whole overhaul of anything. Just start very, very small and let your children tell you, you know, what they need from there. So I think that's that's what I would want to leave them with.
0: I know. And I think that they're so hungry for this. You know, they're hungry for our attention, for our interest in what's going on in their lives. Like I see it with my two. I'm sure you see it with your two, too. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's so funny because I even just so many small things. My husband was gone one evening and I started just playing with my son which I don't normally do at bedtime you know we're playing uno and just talking and I realized the next night when we were all back together he's like let's play again let's do the same thing again and I think it's so funny that you know kids remember when they've had that moment and they just you know are so interested in having it again so yeah definitely
0: yeah that special little time with mom exactly yeah I love it did anything surprise you? I know I'm going back to more mm-hmm, questions, sure. but did anything surprise you when you were writing the book um, with your own relationship with your kids from the start when you're kind of collecting all the, the information and then till, you know, the book is done and finalized? Did anything surprise you or change between your own kids and you?
1: Yes. Actually, it's so funny that you asked that because my daughter, who's now 10, I told her about the process of writing the book. And she actually has gotten very interested in conversations herself um, because I started talking about this and started coming up with games she thought we should play. So anything from like true truths and a lie to, you know, whatever you have to pick an addition. Like, so she actually has said to me, oh, I'd like to talk about this or I think we should play it this way or I have a new conversation idea. Um, And I think that's what's so funny is that I didn't mean to do that. So I was just, she was asking what I was doing and I said, well, I'm writing this book. Um, And she has just gotten sort of very interested on the side um, of, you know, the ways we're talking and she has ideas and that actually has given me kind of interest and hope for other kids that even in just talking about this and saying, let's look at our conversations you know, even now, sometimes I'll say to them, you know, this, does, this looks like it's going downhill, you know, like, when there's just like a squabbling, you know, or something. And so, just to check that rather than just being in those mm-hmm. moments and sitting in them, just to even make a comment and to say, well, this is not looking like it's going well, what can we change in this conversation? How can we change this dynamic? And involving your kids in a more active way, that's something that I, I didn't anticipate in writing this book, but has been sort of a pleasant surprise.
0: I love that. I love, I love that calling it out when something is like devolving right in front of you, they're starting to fight like that, like snaps you out of it, you know, like it gives you that exactly. bird's eye yeah. view. So now you're the observer and you're not in it. You're not in the muck. Right. Oh, I love that.
1: Exactly. And even mm-hmm. helping them get you know out of it a little bit, I think is helpful.
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's everything. That's everything. Cause then you, like you said, they can bring that to their, to their peer groups and at school and exactly. everything else. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it for sure. And you might also have a co-author on your hands in a few years. You yeah. know, don't, oh, don't know. discount her. <laughs> oh, she, she wants to
1: be actually. She's begging. Yeah. <laughs> so That's been the other Ooh. fun thing is she didn't used to like to write, but she now wants to write. So we write stories together. Wow. We do lots of writing together. So it's been really fun. That's
0: amazing. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay. Well, Rebecca, where can our mm-hmm. listener find out more about you and get the book? Yeah,
1: so they can go to my website. It's just RebeccaRoland.com with two C's and two L's. Um, they also can find me on Twitter. I'm just at uh, Roland underscore RG or on Instagram at Rebecca.G.Roland.
0: Beautiful. Well, this book is so critical for this time. That's why I had to have you on the show. So thank you for your time. Thank you for doing all the work and writing <laughs> thank you. the book. Yeah, and for this very important work in the world. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you.
1: It's been great to be here. I appreciate it.
0: You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast.